while Surya joins in, um, perhaps I'll take this opportunity to just introduce this space and get us started. Um, my name is Antara and I am uh, the founder of Civis.Port. And for today, I am the host of today's Budgets for Justice Twitter Spaces conversation. Welcome to this series of Twitter Spaces that explores the nuances of India's law and justice budgets um, by bringing on board friends and collaborators like Smita and Surya from Daksh, who are able to support us in understanding the process of budgets a little bit more easily and navigating the nuances of an otherwise pretty complex process. Budgets for Justice is a collaborative initiative between Agami, Civic Data Labs, Justice Hub, and Civis. It is a platform that curates open budget data from the government for the law and justice sector to make budgets accessible and comprehensible for citizens. As many of you know, it is budget season in India. And as we gear up for the presentation of the union budget on February 1st, we're here today to explore and understand the challenges, key gaps and opportunities in budgeting for law and justice with our friends and collaborators from Daksh. A quick reminder that this conversation today is being recorded. For the conversation today, our guests are Surya Prakash BS, who is a follower and uh, who is a fellow and program director at Daksh. He is a chartered accountant with a law and a law graduate with more than 14 years of corporate experience, now working with the rule of law project at Daksh. Along with Surya, we have Smita Mat who has a background in development consulting with a focus on public participation and accountability in public services. She is interested in leveraging data to assess performances of public institutions. I think that's quite, uh, quite the panel to get us started and understand a little bit more about uh, law and justice budgets in particular. Just to outline a flow of today's uh, discussion before I dive straight in, we are uh, we have a set of five or six questions that we'd like to ask both our speakers and um this these questions are geared towards helping us understand and get a little context on the law and justice budget so just give me um give me a moment as we iron out a few uh, technical difficulties with the twitter spaces and then we'll get right back in into the discussion Excellent. So we're all set up. Um, thank you all so much for joining us today. And uh, I'm going to dive straight into today's discussion. The first question that I had for, uh, for you, Surya and Smita, is how can we understand budgets for the law and justice sector? What are some of the specific challenges about understanding the budgeting process for our justice system? Smita, would you like to get started? Absolutely. Yeah, I'll go ahead and take this question. Thank you so much, uh, Antra, for having us and for uh, starting us off in such a like good way to, to lay the basic and uh, just kind of get into this. So uh, it can be challenging for a layperson to get a sense as to how the high-level budget for administration of justice translates to actual functioning of courts at various levels. 
So if you actually look at kind of the budget statement that's put together from the Ministry of Law and Justice at the center or from any of the states, uh, I think three areas that it's most useful to kind of look for and get a sense of in that budget are firstly, what does it say about infrastructure and accessibility? So which line items relate to kind of establishing or maintaining court complexes and halls uh, have to do with uh, kind of making sure that that court complexes have ramps, have separate toilets for men and women, have clear signage or uh, make it clear how people can actually move around and navigate, especially where court halls are, how to uh, find kind of a help desk or general uh, facilities like that. The second thing would be which elements of that budget statement have to do with human resource itself. So which uh, line items account for the salaries and allowances of both judges as well as support staff at various levels. And then thirdly, which line items have to do with kind of training programs, have to do with capacity building, or in some way, um, I guess, enhancing the efficiency of the judicial system or the court system as a whole. But actually getting a sense as to how these cost that how these budget amounts relate to the functioning of the system can be quite complicated it depends to a large degree on the volume and the complex and the complexity of active cases uh, that are currently in the system as well as the uh, processes and kind of outcomes of different efforts at reforms such as special courts, things that have to do with process efficiency. So, for example, anything focusing on case flow management or some kind of a process that's a targeted disposal of extremely backlogged cases. Going back to kind of that budget statement in general, it can be unclear how to think about the budget that's allocated towards allies. So I'm afraid your voice is breaking. Okay, wait one second. Hello? Yes, Smita, you can continue. You're audible now. Yeah. Oh, I'm audible now. Great, great. Um, so kind of just, I'm not sure how clear the first part was, but um, you, I think one way of making the, the budget statement easier to read is to specifically look for elements that have to do with infrastructure and accessibility, that have to do with human resource, both quantitatively and qualitatively, and have to do with training and capacity building efforts. Uh, but kind of looking at that statement again at a high level, it can be confusing how to think about the budgets that are allocated for allied but separately operating institutions in the law and justice sector. So if you were to look at the union budget for this, um, something like, say, the conduct of elections, right, monies for her EVMs is very clearly a separate and entirely different exercise. But think, how do you think about the budget for, say, the New Delhi International Arbitration Center, for National Judicial Academy, or even the National Legal Services Authority? These institutions are extremely important to kind of understand how access to justice, how legal aid, how capacity building is kind of going on within the judicial sector. But researchers that are interested in focusing specifically on courts wouldn't necessarily know how to comment or what to say about whether those budgetary allocations are sufficient, should be increased, or are keeping kind of in lines with the needs of these institutions. Um, and then in terms of kind of a, a third challenge that I would just want to, to put out there right now is that specific detailed and uh, so specific and detailed information is available not in a single source, but would have to be kind of, uh, would have to be 
reconciled from a variety of sources. So one of the greatest starting points would be the detailed demand for grants that's put forward annually by the Ministry of Law and Justice at the central level, um, and similar documents that are put forward at the state levels. But this is kind of high level and very broad, and it can be confusing what these line items actually mean or how they're spent. So to get a clearer picture, it might be necessary to look at other reports, such as kind of the performance audits of judicial schemes that have been prepared by the Comptroller and Auditor General's Office, looking at starred and unstarred questions that have been answered in the Lok Sabha or Rajya Sabha, or looking at how different law commission reports have successively understood and characterized the problems to actually try and see if increased allocation or decreased allocation in a particular time period can be kind of drawn across and uh, compared to to trends to changing trends in the problems themselves so these are really these reports are really useful to get a sense as to which factors are responsible for the greatest delays and also get a sense as to what interstate variations tend to look like Thank you, Smita. Uh, we're just having some uh, technical difficulty again. Just give us 10 more seconds and we'll be back with the next question. So, absolutely. I hope that was useful to at least kind of get a sense as to what we're looking at, why some things might be a little bit confusing to actually pass, and how other sources might help fill in some of those gaps. Definitely, yes. Surya, do you have something to add in the meantime? Will we get Antra on board again? Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, this is, uh, I think this is a new area that requires more people to um, put our heads together. And I want to take this moment to congratulate um, Agami and Civic Data Labs for having put out this data set that you have, um, which, will, which makes it easier to, um, the starting point is shifted now. People who are interested but did not know where to look for data already have something available at this uh, at a click of a button to start engaging with the questions they have in mind. So, um, what are all the sources? Uh, I think uh, uh, you know, Smita has covered. Um, but the questions, what we want to answer, is possibly the larger question that uh, uh, is before us as citizens and. Uh, academics or researchers. So I am done. I'm, I, uh, we can go on to the next question if, if, uh, Yudesh Notra or Antra?
I'm sorry again, we're having some technical difficulties, but I'll move to the next question. Uh, Daksh and uh, CBGA have together made recommendations to the 15th Finance Commission on imbalances in the fund allocation for judiciary. Could you tell us a little about that and uh, what are what are some of the key findings? Sure, uh, I can take that. Uh, uh, so, in the uh, light of the 15th Finance Commission, uh, we, we did some work and uh, Center for Budgetary Governance and Ana Analysis, New Delhi and Daksh collaborated uh, again the first time that uh, the work on judicial budgeting was being uh, done collaboratively. This was in 2019 sometime. So what we found was not very surprising. Everybody knew about it, uh, but it's just that we had numbers uh, to put. It So it's the states that bear the bulk of the functioning of the judiciary. So 90% um, of the judiciary's financial needs are met at the state level. That is a big finding that we all should keep in mind when we want to take up questions. Um, out of those, there is, uh, uh, if you consider what, even it's not just the judiciary's budget, what share of the pie, even within the union budget, it's only judicial budget is only 0.1%. Um, and at the state level, all the states put together, if you consider the budget as an expenditure, um, uh, 0.61%. It's less than 1% is taken over by the, is allocated to the judiciary. Um, uh, so this difference between the states and the union uh, has implications um, from many perspectives. Um, more, more so when you consider that it is the subordinate judiciary and the high courts that are all, all the first point of contact when citizens are enforcing their rights under union-made laws or union laws are being implemented. It is the state level institutions that are first, uh, you know, bearing the load. So how should we imagine this mix? How should we balance it out is something that we will need to think about more. Um, similarly, there is a difference as per our analysis. There is a wide variation between states. What is known, so what I referred to earlier was a vertical inequality, right? Here, I'm talking about the horizontal inequality, how the spend of some states or union territories is different from, very different from other states. To put some numbers in context, Delhi, which is a union territory, spends 2.69% of its budget on courts. It can be said that the, the union territory's budget is not uh, uh, all is all all comprehensive. It contains only certain lines of uh, functions. So leave let's leave Delhi out. It's a outlier. UP you would expect UP 90.9 percent of its state budget is allocated to judiciary as compared with 0.33 percent by West Bengal. Now. Why this is so is something that needs to be gone into further. And I'm, I'm hopeful that the data set that you have put out uh, and you will add to that, I'm sure, put out over the future, in the, over the course of time, will enable these questions to be gone into by serious researchers. More so because these are expenditures 
at various points of time in the development of infrastructure and institutions within the within that state so some states may have taken a huge capital uh, push at some point of time others may be doing that at a, at a later point of time so should you do, do it year on year should you do it over five years or should you do it over 10 years these are all questions that will need more people to uh, um, engage with so uh, inequality or variation horizontally vertically and also over time period um what we found is that the 13th financial commission finance commission had allocated 5000 crores to judiciary out of which only 1000 crores were actually spent somebody said go spend 5000 crores and the court system uh, um you know with all its uh, budgeting uh, capacity etc could only come up with 1000 crores to be spent why the reasons for it many quite a few it may be that the purposes for which the financial commission uh, finance commission made the grant was not to was not aligned with the vision of the judiciary and therefore you know the whole budgeting process we will need to revisit at some point uh, similarly the 14th finance commission um had there was no specific grant for judiciary there was no special grant um but the department of justice said we want it was i think around 8000 crores or 9000 crores and said we want it so the 14th finance commission then said yeah this looks like a good uh, purpose for which money should be spent states we have increased the allocation to the states the big difference between 41% or 42% and 38% i'm sure all of us in the public finance field remember that thing right we increased the allocations to the states states now have more amount to play more money to play with this is a good purpose states should allocate more so they left it to the states so over the last 5 years during the period of the 14 finance commission some states have responded to that opportunity some states have not that has also come out in our uh, um, uh, analysis for the submission that we made to the um, 15th uh, finance commission um, how should we measure is that a question that uh, i'm hoping um, uh, in further conversations it will uh, emerge uh, as a consensus amongst researchers and academicians and citizens as a whole how should we measure budgetary allocation to the judiciary so that's that's broadly what we had um, from a historical analysis of the budgetary uh, allocations to the judiciary chonotra um, Thank you for that Surya and uh, I seem to be back up and uh, okay yeah okay. <laughs> thank you all for your patience with uh, with my connectivity issues but uh, Surya that's a really interesting point that you made about uh, absorption capabilities as well as the different layers of um, different layers of uh, allocations that are made to the state and uh, at the central level and and within states the disparity that that comes to to, to the fore one of the questions that i wanted to ask you um also tying into the justice hub platform that has been launched uh, today is that what were some of the challenges with analyzing budgets um and create and assessing the tangible outcomes from moving from one year to the other how do you grapple with that in your own work for some of us who are trying to make sense of that process um what are some of the challenges and perhaps the the Uh, the pitfalls that we could overcome when we look at uh, analyzing budget data 
from the outset? Um, so there's, there are two parts to it. What are the challenges in analyzing and how should we analyze, right? So the challenges in analyzing is the biggest challenge is we don't know what to analyze or how should we go about analyzing. The data was a big uh, uh, obstacle and I'm glad to see you have uh, put data out for others to use, um, harmonization of data, making it available scheme-wise um, is, is what is currently here on your website that you launched just this more afternoon. Uh, I clicked on the link, uh, the email that I got this afternoon. Looks very exciting. I hope you will extend that. I'm sure you have plans to extend that to include state level and uh, other details. State level variations will be there. For example, how are tribunals treated? Um, or or how, are, how is capital expenditure for the judiciary? Where is it sitting in the budget statements? These are questions that will have state level variations. I'm sure there will be more. Um, so the data availability as it improves through efforts like yours, uh, the discussion, I'm more interested in moving the discussion to uh, what should we measure? Should it be an input measure or should it be an output measure or should it be an outcome measure? Input measure is how much funds are allocated. How much, you know, um, uh, how much money did, was it increased from last year? We seem to be fixated uh, on these input measures for judiciary and with some justification because the output measures are vague or rather are yet to be uh, um, it to be explored and have some clarity in this community. Um, so, so for example, if we say we have increased uh, allocations to the subordinate courts in Karnataka by uh, 100 crores, what does that mean? Does that mean that there are uh, so on X number of more courts, uh, you know, Y number of more personnel, or does it mean that more number of cases are now able to be resolved? Or does it mean that more number of people are now able to access courts or have access courts, right? So these are the challenges, the metrics for evaluating the connection between budgets and the functioning of courts. I'm only talking about courts to, to just, uh, you know, looping back to the point Smita made first about how there are other institutions in the justice ecosystem that are vital to the functioning, the, the polis uh, or the National Judicial Academy or the Legal Services Authority, these are other uh, allied institutions that are um, uh, critical to the functioning of the uh, uh, courts, but the courts do take up bulk of the budget allocation and therefore uh, we will have to figure out some way of uh, uh, coming to some understanding um, within the community on how we should measure the performance of courts and then we can say this led to that or this did not lead to that are there other reasons for this just to add to that um, stepping back we have seen efforts by kind of the union ministry to do some kind of an outcome budgeting exercise right so in 2016-17 there's actually a pretty uh, detailed and big document that was put out by the ministry we also see at various points in time as part of a general outcome budget usually we would see kind of the metric of number of court hall court complexes or court halls built as the standard or best kind of output metric even though it's not on face an outcome metric uh, on its own um but one thing that's actually extremely interesting about that that 
outcome uh, budget that was prepared in 2016-17 is that it is uh, if you actually look at the columns that have come together within that report you will see kind of a, a compilation of just the the kind of achievements and um per kind of like yeah the achievements and performance metrics that you would see normally in the annual report of a public institution side by side with the uh, funds that were made available within that year so kind of thinking from a research or a collaborative perspective outside of the government how might it make sense to not just as surya was saying earlier not just think of annual allocations entirely separate things but how to kind of figure out what an appropriate time period might be to actually say that if this was the achievement of this particular public institution in the law and justice space then what were the investment as investments that went into creating it and how far back did they really start was it a question of 2 years or 3 years or as is probably more likely was it a question of 5 years and 10 years and long term public investment so that's definitely an a very interesting question and an important thing to figure out as we look towards outcomes Thank you, uh, Smita and Surya, both for that answer. I think uh, one of the interesting things um, that comes to mind is that this is one space where we have a lot of, or perhaps a large wish list of things that we can do and collaborate uh, together on to make sure that we are analyzing and understanding this data um, a little bit more. closely and also making the most of the information that we have um one of my i think one of my closing questions as we don't have too much time on today's twitter space is what are the ways um for somebody who has joined in this this uh, twitter space conversation who may be exploring uh, budget data and um budget data specifically to law and justice uh, from a perspective of have not having been exposed to that before what are some of the starting points um, where we can learn a little bit more about budgets for the law and justice sector and actually participate in some way in this critical process smita if you'd like to go first and I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. My bad. Ah, uh, yeah. I was just saying that in terms of the resources that do exist in the space, we are slowly kind of seeing um, research outputs kind of coming in and populating a little bit more. So I think it's useful to think of these outputs both in terms of which ones are kind of compilations or representations of raw data like in the development space more broadly. We always have a certain preference for kind of non commentary government data uh, right like something that is objective in a certain sense um whatever its methodological issues may be because it seems to be a starting point that kind of it it's more of a objective starting point or something to really yeah really start from and start to understand the space so building awareness building a community of people who are interested in figuring out how they can more actively engage with and understand the space Um and one thing that I'm sorry I meant to kind of mention a little bit earlier but I think I might have glossed over that point is that uh, Surya mentioned that states are responsible for about 90% of the funding in the law and justice space especially relative to courts 
So when you think of the competing financial demands at the state level, you will realize that that courts specifically aren't really a issue for which there is a very vocal public constituency. You don't see kind of MLAs or MPs, elected uh, officials who are kind of at the broad sense outside side of a standing committee or a public accounts committee take a very specific and deep interest in the nuances of what increased funding might mean what kind of uh, of impacts it could have and so somehow figuring out how to leverage that is i think very much the next question for any kind of a broader public collaboration on this space thank you smita and i think uh, i couldn't agree with you more there is a lot left to be explored and understood um and yeah like you said a lot of space for collaboration as well surya would you like to uh, share some of your inputs on what are the first starting points yes yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so i would say uh, let's explore this in the the next steps in three ways um because systemic change and improvement is not linear there are step functions which means to say you suddenly see a spike and a big change and then it plateaus out let's think of ways in which this change can be uh, um uh, you know jump leap frog uh, instead of saying every year let us increase why is it not 10% from in- increase from 10% or oh, education is increased by 10% why not this so if we want a large systemic change there should be a significant allocation done in over a medium term first point second point how should citizens engage with budgeting for the judiciary uh, smita has uh, alluded to it but not directly said it uh, but you know citizens should ask their people elected representatives and say you are signing off on this budget in a representative democracy the budget the taxes that are raised by the state are spent with the sign off by elected representatives so citizens should ask their elected representatives mps mlas why is not a budgeting not being improved for courts uh, of course law and justice in large at large but still in particular for courts and tribunals such something that they should ask um the third thing Uh, which is a you know continuation of that is as newer institutions and structures for law and justice emerge um how do we ensure that accountability to the uh, uh, people is maintained uh, or ensured in this process of this new structures coming in place so that when public money is spent on these radically new changes the right to ask questions and demand explanations by the public are not lost uh i would i would say these three parts uh, are important uh, radical changes funding big uh, leverage points uh, uh, pushing it through your elected representatives and ensuring accountability for newer structures that are going to come up in the in the future thank you for that surya i think uh, again resonate on on many many points but most importantly knowledge is power as as uh, as we have discovered um and not to underscore the ability to ask questions and actually ensure that your voice in a democracy is serving a purpose so thanks for that uh, surya and thanks for bringing up that point as well um i just want to before we close for today uh, take the opportunity to thank 
to, uh, to thank both Slita and Surya for joining us. This discussion has been uh, quite enriching um, on multiple fronts. And um, also just share a reminder that this discussion is uh, a, one of a number of series of discussions that will be taking place every Thursday at the similar time um, where we aim to explore different facets of the law and justice uh, budget and budgeting process um, as well as law enforcement in India. So we will be having the next session next Thursday and in the meanwhile um, Justice Hub has launched their, uh, their, their portal which where you can actually go and see a lot of the schemes and the, the schema, scheme data that is available and publicly accessible. Um, that link can also be found on their Twitter, uh, their Twitter page. So thank you so much, uh, Surya Smita, for joining us. And thank you, everyone, for listening in. Um, this has been quite quite an enriching discussion. And I do hope that this is the starting point for many different collaborations. Um, Surya and Smita are both... Uh, affiliated to Daksh and uh, I'm sure you can reach out to them as well if there are certain collaborative initiatives you'd like to undertake. Thank you so much, uh, Antra. Uh, congratulations to Agami and Civic Data Labs on the new launch of the data sets. All the best to them. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you, everyone. Bye. Thank you, everyone.